0: Welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, the show which talks about the technologies, projects and startups driving
1: decentralization and the global cryptocurrency revolution. My name is Sébastien Couture. And I'm Brian Fabian Crane. On July 10th and 11th, we were in London for the Coin Summit Conference. This two-day event gathered approximately 250 investors, entrepreneurs and developers to discuss some of the most important issues facing the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem.
0: In this episode, we talked to Olivier Janssens, a Bitcoin early adopter and investor, and his associate, Andrew Turner, and we discussed Olivier's recent $100,000 bounty to replace the Bitcoin Foundation, why he chose Mike Hearn's Lighthouse project as the winner of 40% of that bounty, and the effect
1: that Lighthouse could have on Bitcoin core development funding. We also interviewed Michael Jackson, he's the former chief operating officer of Skype and currently a venture capitalist at Mangrove Capital Partners. We talked about the recent European Banking Authority opinion, we talked about his experiences with the regulation of new and disruptive technologies from his days at Skype, and we talked about investing in Bitcoin companies.
0: Okay, so we're here with Andrew, uh, Olivier, and you guys are um, investors, I guess. <laughs> um, can you tell us uh, what uh,
2: kind of companies you're investing in right now? Well, I don't have uh, like a set target, you know, so I'm open to anything. Obviously Bitcoin or cryptocurrency related. Um,
3: I'd say that we tend to invest in, um, as Olivier says, uh, uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin related or web technology related where we can bring some form of value added. So we tend to look for companies in an um, early seed, pre-seed phase where uh, they're looking for a ticket size around 100k uh, US dollars um and where we can bring some form of value added in, in terms of management or uh, development skills uh, we have a pool of about 50 developers that we have split across europe uh, and what we like to do is try and invest cash and at the same time bring uh, some management skills across uh, um, sometimes very active sometimes more in a sort of um a non-exec kind of uh, uh way um or and or Uh, bring on uh, development skills at the same time. A combination of using Olivier's rather, let's say, public uh, uh, profile to promote uh, the investments that we do. So, typically we look for, instead of just pure, only cash investments, something where we can bring at least some form of value added. But
2: it's optional, of course, I mean, it's not required to, you know, if if they're children, developers or management, then we can always help.
1: So uh, you also created quite a bit of a stir, I guess, uh, about a month ago, or maybe a bit more, when you uh, made a post on Reddit, uh, kind of setting this $100,000 bounty to replace the Bitcoin foundation with uh, software, right? Um, can you perhaps tell us about what motivated you originally to
2: do that? Well, I guess mm, me and like a lot of other people got increasingly frustrated with with the Bitcoin Foundation. Um, and for example, Mike Kern was making more and more posts about Accordance being underfunded. And I totally agree with that, so um, I I was thinking like how do we solve this and and I started analyzing the situation and and my conclusion was that we need to find an alternative for the Bitcoin Foundation because uh, Bitcoin is decentralized and and non-political and I think the organization is making it political, which I think is very bad for Bitcoin, so that's why I decided to post a bounty and see what people would come up with to find an alternative. So,
1: I um, mean, you ended up uh, giving, you know, most of the bounty to Mike Kern and his Lighthouse project, yeah. you know, which we've had uh, covered on top podcasts with Mike Kern extensively before. Um, but was the idea of funding uh, the core development, was that your initial main motivation when you started it?
2: or mm, Not, it not really. Uh, it was m- much more open at the beginning because I, I just want to see what people would come up with. But in the end, my conclusion was that I think the most important thing to focus on is the core devs. Um, so that's why I decided to also fund the platform which could, among other things, from the core devs, uh, which also has already a bit of support from, from a core dev. Um, and, and. I think we can do a lot of other things with a platform, crowdfunding, lobbyists, or, or there's, well, sky's the limit basically. You know, if, if you want to crowdfund your own Bitcoin conference, uh, then you just propose something. It's basically a Kickstarter, but for, for Bitcoin. And of that bounty, which you gave
0: uh, a good chunk of it to Mike Kern, uh, are there other people who've come forward with some interesting uh, proposals? That, uh...
2: Yeah, there were many submissions, um, but most of them wanted to have it remain a secret, so I couldn't publish uh, any of it. Um, maybe a couple, but then I had to contact everyone individually, ask permission. So it was a, a lot of work. I think I had around thirty or forty submissions, and yeah, the most interesting ones were, were like yeah, uh, white House. And then um, also Aries from, um, uh, from, uh, from the three guys who made it. Um, Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So Aries is basically running on, on Ethereum and it's probably one of the first implementations of the full or the range of possibilities that Ethereum can realize. So basically what you can do with it is so they, they created the first software platform to really run on Ethereum where you can start a distributed autonomous organization, uh, a DAO, uh, which is all the first lately. Um, so, so they made the first good implementation, in my opinion. And that's why I chose them, because I think Ares also has really nice um, possibilities which can decentralize a lot of things, not only a Bitcoin foundation, uh, but... but Uh, corporations and governments so
1: So, uh, i guess would the goal be in the future that there's some sort of uh, voting as well or perhaps uh, uh, because uh, you know i guess if you wanted to replace the bitcoin foundation and, and the core thing is that they have uh, they have a board of directors that does some work and you know can be able to replace that. Maybe you can have it elected in a different way or controlled more of a bottom up way. Um, do you, do you uh, and the lighthouse seems much more limited, right? It's more targeted. Uh, do you did you go more in that direction because you think it's more important, or because you feel the other thing is maybe technically not feasible?
2: Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's possible technically to recreate a foundation completely virtually online with, with like virtual voting. But I I chose not to do that on purpose because I think voting and democracy will, will entail politics again, and and then there will be leaders elected. In a new virtual foundation, I think it's just like uh, over it, which isn't necessary. I mean, if you look, if you take everything away from the Bitcoin Foundation and look at the core aspects of it, um, it's running the core dev, funding the core devs, it's it's uh, running lobbies and, and doing a couple of other things. But those things can be done perfectly without a political organization. Maybe the Bitcoin Foundation or something virtual that's recreated. So I chose not to recreate a political system on purpose.
1: Um, okay. Okay. No. No. That makes sense. So you feel like you know, even if that had been recreated in the same way, it's just that the nature of it would become politicized.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And I think now people can sort of vote with their money. And, and if they see a demand for something like, um, yeah, like alt chains, um, which is highly demanded from from what I heard, side chains, yeah. yeah. So they can just, um, I mean, as the developers or the developers can can the core devs can make a, a proposal for the next three to six months that this is their, their 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 goal, right? This is their program, like on Kickstarter, and they can have like. Um, extra goals when they reach this amount of money so they hire more developers like that. The Bitcoin Foundation isn't really doing that so I think I really hope that once the Cordex really start working on this platform that Bitcoin development will be streamlined again and I think that's definitely doable and I think there will be a lot of support from community community to to fund it,
1: I, th- I think sidechains would be perfect for this kind of thing no? because it's essentially public good. I, th- I think it would be hard to make money from it, right? Mm-hmm. it's something that like a lot of Bitcoin holders probably would like really like to see implemented in Bitcoin and not like Ethereum or some other currency. Yeah, I fully agree. So, so I think that would be perfectly suited.
2: Yeah, and, and maybe a lot of other things that people for asking for the developers having to, in their mind, but they never got around to doing it. I think Bitcoin has so many um, uh, extra stuff built into it that people don't realize it because there's no money for developers to actually implement it. So for example, like Multisig only started getting traction in the last half year to year. Thanks to among other people, my current was sort of focusing on it and people then see the possibilities like, oh, um, Mount Cooks could have been avoided completely by doing multi seek So it's having a role of repercussions that it's underfunded. And, and we have like disasters happening because of that, you know. So I think it's very important that we get it funded properly. So, what, what is your
0: ideal uh, to you? And what, what is the ideal scenario moving forward um, for Bitcoin development to, uh, Bitcoin core development to continue to,
2: to progress? Well, ideally, I think that the developers propose um, their 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 schedule for the next three to six months with bonus goals and people can then you know fund it and I think they should also listen to the community so if community ask for something specific uh, unless it's not in line with the constitution which in my opinion is like the Satoshi paper mm-hmm. they should always like keep that into account and not change the core principles of Bitcoins, like the 21 million limits, um, yeah. and Perfect. stuff like that. They shouldn't touch that, right? But like anything which can be built on top of it, which is not like negative, I think they should consider. And, and you know.
1: but then, if you look at the white paper, there's already like a one CPU, one vote thing. No, that's. I mean, some things are already. What do you mean? It fell by the wayside. Oh, the well, uh, one CPU, one vote. Obviously, you know. I think this conference is sponsored by <laughs> <HIO>. right. Yeah,
2: Right. <laughs> well, this also, I think, something which can be solved. Um, but I think Gavin talked about that, right? So it's it's also community awareness, how they mine, but also maybe something which can be solved uh, in 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 the protocol. I don't know.
1: Um, so, I, I've kind of been thinking a lot about some issues, especially with transaction fees, and some other sort of fundamental issues as see with Bitcoin. Uh, and I, I'm sometimes wondering, you know, is, is it possible actually for Bitcoin to adapt? Or is it there's too much intrinsic economic interest that makes it just so hard to like coordinate to something else? So, I, I'm wondering, do you, do you see that as a risk that... Uh, Bitcoin might be replaced with something else just because it cannot adapt. If problems do arise, maybe scalability issues in the future. Well, I
2: think I think that that it's very important that um, the developers, um, like, yeah, I mean the, the community. There will always be be altcoins, right? And it also puts pressure on Bitcoin to keep self competitive. On the other hand, Bitcoin also has unique properties which are very valuable to it. So if it Ever changes those, I think it will become or is become worthless. For example, if it suddenly says, like, okay, we're not gonna hold the 21 million limit anymore, that's like you know, that's a disaster, right? Like, it's the end of Bitcoin. Or if they change critical aspects which are bad to change, I would never support that personally. I think we should keep the core of Bitcoin, but we should look at other coins and, and learn from them, right? like the, the alt chains i think that that's something which is okay um and i think bitcoin has a lot of um possibilities like becoming a central ledger for i don't know like real estate you know like replacing notaries or or something yeah, like that yeah. that's this huge right so there's many possibilities and we can stay up to date and, and remain competitive without touching the essence of bitcoin uh, i think <coughs> just to answer your question this there's one or two
3: things which uh, I remember was at the Amsterdam conference. What was that? Like, May. Uh, yeah, two months ago. Um, and it's the first time ever I heard um, uh, Gavin Andreessen talk about um, a hard fork in the Bitcoin core protocol. Um, and I understand why he said that. I mean, um, my only concern, or the only time that I've been concerned um, about uh, whether or not Bitcoin is capable enough of adapting, uh, as you said, Um, was at that point in time because a friend of mine explained some of the technical challenges to me, Uh, namely that there are a number of, let's say, core attributes uh, in the way that Bitcoin is mined uh, and a number of core values, uh, um, which if you change them or if you change the way that they are implemented in the protocol, could potentially invalidate all ASIC-based mining hardware that's out there today. Um, um, That, of course, is an economic disaster (laughs) um, for anybody who has invested capital in in mining. Um, If you basically get to the point where you need to argue a change because you believe that the future of Bitcoin requires that change, but the downside of that is that all existing mining hardware will be reduced to junk that's 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 the kind of crux point which um, which so i think will be also uh the
1: crux point where some cospls do because they have absolutely. The power right so because they have the power do it, not to be in the interest uh, of bitcoin in the long term there's no way you can ever the, the miners the right? miners will never do it
3: but On the other hand, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how the whole ecosphere develops because, you know, if if that kind of problem ever does sort of arise and you might get an alternative, which gets a lot of traction, it'll be interesting to see how the Bitcoin community at that point (laughs) in time reacts, but... These are all things that are far away. That was yeah, one of the things which which I thought was you know an extremely interesting sort of uh, technical ecosphere issue, uh, which 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 at some point in time might really drive a sort of stake into the ground and and and, and influence how people might react. But that, that touches a lot. On,
0: that touches a lot on what Mike Hearn was saying, where there's uh, a lot of internal conflicts. Uh, in the core development team, and we're talking about um, disagreements, which are not at you know hard fork level type stuff, but just you know small stuff, uh, you know uh, soft fork uh, stuff. So you know if we're not able, if if the core development team isn't able to agree on just basic things like that, I mean, like how can we ever implement these? Uh, Larger ideas like sidechains and things like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think it's
2: consistently, shall we say? I think we first should get developers funded properly, and I think it will already help a lot. I might be wrong, but I think it will. We should what? That once we get the developers funded properly, mm-hmm. um, it will already start helping. So we'll see what happens. I think you, we should look at it again in like half a year to a year and see if it's it's, it's it's been solved or not, but I think. It'll really help streamline everything. Also, you'll have more feel with the community once they start doing that. Which might also resolve some issues, Right now yeah, there's a Bitcoin Foundation, and what do people really want? I guess they can they can sort of guess it, but it's still not as direct as like working through a crowdfunding platform.
3: No, I think I think you you you'll start to see evolutions. Like um, I come from a telecommunications background, then yeah. um, if you look at Bitcoin, it, it sort of appeared out of nowhere, uh, and then some people I don't mean any disrespect here decided to start a foundation and said, oh. Well, well, we're the foundation and we'll represent what Bitcoin is. That's, I guess, a noble idea and has brought along all the complications and misery that went with it. But I think you'll start seeing that turned around. Now you're getting more and more companies who are venture capital funded or running a business or doing whatever, uh, who have vested economic interest in the continuity and future of Bitcoin. Uh, And I think you'll start seeing industry associations being created by representatives of these companies to agree on technical specifications, on what's best for everyone Uh, multidisciplinary, so with uh, representation from miners, from from service companies, from intermediate companies, from API developers, all sorts of people, which I think is a much healthier kind of evolution where you see people from various sectors with vested real economic interest in the whole thing doing well, basically, instead of just some guy standing up and saying, right, we've created something, we'll need some sort of association, here we are. Um, it's much better if you get, let's say, a more technocratic approach at least, where you have people who are really day to day working on this stuff and saying we need to get together and discuss how to uh, tackle all these issues. I think that's, I think that'll be a part of how, how things can move forward. And then, of course, as Olivier says, you have to have proper funding. I mean, nobody works for free, and um, I think that the great effort by Olivier to uh, to work on uh, on at least starting a solution for that. But, I think that you'll see that kind of evolution moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, maybe, maybe let's uh, before we end, uh, let's come back to uh, one topic and kind of curious about. So since you've been, I don't know involved in Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, when when did you originally get
2: involved? I started money in 2010. 2010. Uh, so yeah, a long time. Uh, I'm curious, what what do you think is going to be the most
1: important area of development maybe in the next year or two years, especially when we talk about uh, adoption and startups and this kind of of thing?
2: Not like like software specific, but just in general? Just in general. Like,
1: uh, you know, I I know sometimes people, for example, say, oh, I don't believe so much in uh, Bitcoin as a payment system. I believe in, you know, these other applications. Some people feel like it's going to (laughs) be... developing countries more it's interesting to hear like how people view this differently. I'm kind of curious what your, um, or your both your perspectives are
2: I think the biggest development will be that people start realizing the potential which is almost limitless you know so, so I can't really point one out but I think that's really the realization that Bitcoin created a new new world almost of possibility of decentralization of, of I mean it's yeah, it's truly yeah, really yeah, a revolution you know shot, right? after the internet I agree with, you with Roger that this you is the back, most important invention so I mean, just realization yeah, of possibility in my opinion yeah.
3: yeah I completely agree I mean it, it, it's been said by various smart people that 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 Bitcoin is the internet of money let's say uh, it's a it's, uh, um, and I'd say that, that as an extension, it's cryptocurrencies as, a, as a, let's say, a concept and a protocol suite, which are, are, are the internet of money. And just like you saw in the internet boom, I mean, as I said, I've come from a 15-year career in telecommunications, so I've seen it go from, from, from nothing to world-encompassing mega-businesses, yeah, Which, which you just can't imagine don't exist anymore. But 10 years ago, companies like Vodafone, they didn't even exist, or they were tiny, yeah? Let alone other companies which do more fancy stuff. <laughs> so I, I think you'll see it move in all sorts of directions. And just like you know, um, uh, in telecommunication space, you had competition for various uh, various protocols. Like one that was referenced today in the conference was like, yeah, everybody was always saying, oh, Ethernet's rubbish. You know, it doesn't work and it's, it's useless. And uh, and who who thought of that? And token ring is much better. Well, token ring died and went away ten years ago. Yeah, and Ethernet has become the prevalent uh, layer two protocol for all telecommunications just because it got traction and it got weight and everybody put their shoulders behind it and said our economic reality is vested in ethernet and as long as the cryptocurrency community continues to say our economic reality is vested in bitcoin it will thrive survive and continue to evolve and 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 defeat the odds and people will find ways around the problems and because they want it to succeed. Yeah? And I see exactly the same thing happening. I mean many people have made the, uh, the comparison and it's completely correct. I mean
2: it's it's the weight and the power of many.
3: Can I, have one more thing?
2: Sure. I think uh, if, if I have to pick something, I think it will be the development of like a free society online. and I think Bitcoin, will make it possible to create a complete society without without the government, you know.
1: So also the political aspects, organizational things, voting.
2: Yeah, I think people will, for the first time, be able to live their lives completely online, free from, you know, any any government. So basically, if they want to, yeah, they will still need a physical location, but they can just do everything online. There will be like decentralized courts, decentralized companies, everything will just go online and, and... uh, like I say on my Twitter, like I think the revolution will be virtual. It means like, yeah, we're creating basically a new society online which can take over the existing world. Thank you. So.
1: Okay. Well, thanks so much. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're here with uh, Michael Jackson, who is a managing partner at Mangrove Capital. Um, and uh, before that, he was... Uh, CEO of Skype. So, hello. Hi. <laughs> thank, you for, uh,
4: thank you for taking the time to uh, speak to us. Um, so, perhaps, uh, can you tell us a bit about how you first heard about Bitcoin, how you got interested in Bitcoin?
5: That's a good question. How did I first hear about it? I first heard about it some time ago, I guess about 18 months ago, something like that, I'm going to suggest it was like that. And it was obviously an interesting thing. I've been always interested in the payment space um it 's been something i 've been involved with with billing and payments and back end systems and that kind of thing in telephone companies for many years and then there was a, I thought Bitcoin became a payment method, simply a payment method uh, but then I could see more in it suddenly uh One of the side projects I worked on at, at Skype it was one of we had three or four of us working on it was a way to pay for media using something called Skype Credits, which was the stuff you use for buying phone calls. And at the point we built in a, we, we built a, a nice demo of, of how you could access a web page and then pay for that web page with a click. And that would take like a microtransaction away from your Skype credit. It never was published really. It was a, it was a, That's interesting. Yeah, right. And and it was one of those, the idea was to take it, you know, it could have been very interesting for the media business because as we know, it's really really difficult to pay for stuff. Micropayments in on the internet are are really quite difficult. And so the first time I saw Bitcoin, I, I kinda thought, well, this could be a handy thing for this. You can do this micropayment person to person, not really involving too many people in the transaction, which which naturally keeps the cost right down. Uh, and that's what I still see as the vision for Bitcoin is, is in fact, around micropayments. or well, one of the main... Uh, you know, one of, Why uh,
4: did that uh, Skype
5: thing uh, never get implemented? It just, just never did. You know how these things yeah. happen. It was <laughs> a, a project. We did a sort of a weekend project around yeah. it. Um, you know, there's probably only 20 of it in Skype, even though we tried it. It was just a side project that yeah. we, we got running for fun. I got a video of it somewhere on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the end of it.
0: And uh, so, when you got, first uh, heard about Bitcoin, you were already uh, venture capitalism investing in tech yep. companies. Um, just you know, as for con- contextual uh, purposes, what are some of the companies that you had already invested in?
5: Uh, so, Mangrove's invested in a lot of e-commerce companies. Uh, we have the largest e-commerce company in Russia, for example, Coopi VIP, um, E-commerce companies in Germany, invest in media companies and uh, music companies. Uh, uh, core computing software companies, um, consumer brands, many different things. We also have a, a, a about a third of our fund invested in automotive product as well, which is quite interesting. Mm. Completely different area. Yeah,
0: and
4: evolving
5: very, very fast. Evolving extremely fast. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
4: So, um, what about uh, BC, uh, the Bitcoin space? Have you? Uh... I think you have not made any investments yet
5: right? we haven't yet made any we haven't yet made any investments in the Bitcoin space not at all um, not through not looking we haven't seen anything that we liked yet um, there are obviously a number of companies who are doing very well we've seen some massive amounts of money put into some sort of landmark deals at the moment huge amounts of money which is bold moves from three or four of the largest venture capital companies and we we are wow. <laughs> Mm. So they're really betting hard on that. So some spaces I think have been taken. Uh, people are trying to put a stake in the ground to own certain sections of the infrastructure, certain sections of the consumer wallets, like wallets. Uh, yeah, processing. like wallets, like um, yeah, Coinbase for example, yeah. Circle. These guys, people earning what they're trying. I think these guys are trying to be the place where people go to for wallets, yeah. for wallets, pay for payments and stuff like that. That's what I think the investment's going towards. I think we'd be. Uh, from our point of view, we'll be interested in services that sit on top of the the, the network. Um, not well, infrastructure, but probably not. Yeah, I mean, this thing, level stuff. Yeah, like what? I don't know. We, so, I we talked about um, services to do Bitcoin payments for media industry, for example, just to say something. Yeah, or s- services that use the blockchain to certify documents. Uh, yeah. yeah, this kind of thing. Another interesting thing I see is the ability to. Created an entirely new market, which is the certification of original digital art. So you could imagine buying the first pressing, like you used to in the vinyl industry, of a song. In other words, it would be the song that oh, the, when did they you,
4: uh, did you because uh, a friend of mine did the project. Oh well, he's been writing that like, white paper and stuff.
5: Okay, I haven't seen Q- that. Qlect. You seen okay, that? no, I haven't seen that. He no, it was
4: doing in Amsterdam too. They had this like. Uh, innovative projects thing Uh but yeah exactly that
5: actually yeah that sort of thing could be interesting for us it's more manageable if you like if owning the entire infrastructure of the of the internet of the of the the, the, owning the entire infrastructure of the bitcoin infrastructure would be
4: so so is uh, what's the reason you haven't invested yet is it that you're more interested in that area and you haven't seen anything interesting or do you feel there's starting to be Maybe too much competition, too high prices.
5: Yeah, all of the above, really. All yeah. of those things. I mean, we have to find projects that we like that my partners are going to like. We we always, in any venture capital company, make decisions as a as a consortium on these things. So obviously, and, and your a, your
0: partners are also
5: on board with Bitcoin. Or some are, some aren't. Right. I mean, as you know, the the whole world's pretty divided on this thing. It doesn't matter who you speak to; they've yeah. always got two opinions on it. So some of the guys go like, "This is just a crazy, hyped up, whatever." And and others say no. Now I've been at this for 18 months, probably 18 months ago, they said you're mad. Six months ago, when I was at this event last year, they came back and they said you're still mad. And now maybe they're thinking, oh, maybe, 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 you, so maybe <laughs> well, you are still mad, but maybe <laughs> that bit didn't change, but the rest of it. Right? Uh, you know, we, we mentioned.
0: Um, investments and how that's been growing obviously and uh, I think there was a figure that was mentioned earlier at the conference where about 200,000 uh, 200 million yep. uh, dollars in uh, VC investments so far and only 5 million in European companies. Now what uh, we were talking about just a second ago is that uh, the infrastructure is being built and all of this investment is going in infrastructure and mainly in, in the US. Um, do you think that Perhaps we're going to have this sort of situation where all of the infrastructure, all of the infrastructure is based in the U.S. and you know, European companies are uh, basically left to this other higher-level stuff,
5: uh, services built on top of Bitcoin. Or? I, I don't know. I don't see there's any reason why that should be so. First of all, um, I mean that that's how it is now, right? It's Coinbase, BitPay, everything's everything's in the U.S. I'm not sure everything's there, but, but certainly a lot of it's there. Um, I think the higher-level stuff is much more. Ch- hmm. it's, I think the high-level stuff can come into Europe and some of the facilities on top of it, some of the exchanges and things like that. There's tremendous activity here. The regulatory framework in Europe can arguably... The regulatory framework in Europe can arguably be much more conducive to Bitcoin than in the US. I think so. Yeah, I do think so.
0: Especially uh, after the recent uh, uh, European Banking Authority paper.
5: Um, well, the EBA, what they said is, is that the... They don't recommend that financial institutions hold Bitcoin. Mm. That's what they're saying. They're saying as a commodity, it's just not secure enough. I mean, in the end, the banks hold client funds in general, and they don't. They consider it just too volatile, too unreliable, too risky, and, and also ex- fundamentally risky, the whole thing. If, 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 for example, there was a flaw detected in the protocols, the whole thing could be... Mm. Worthless tomorrow, in theory, that's getting less and less likely with time, but, yeah. but nevertheless. And I think that's that's their position on that. What they're not saying is don't use it. And they're just saying banks should not be holding large quantities of this for the time being. But if if, if there are services built on top of Bitcoin or people using Bitcoin for transacting, that's a totally different discussion.
4: So um, you feel from the, um, you're talking about the report that came out last week, right? Yes, so uh, has that changed your view on regulations? Because me personally,
5: I I felt it was kind of worrying. It was um, no, not at all. It didn't worry me at all. It actually kind of made me okay with it because they're talking about we have to split the thing into, if you like, three areas. We have to split Bitcoin into what you might call the commodity side of it, where you're dealing and speculating or what have yeah. you on the value of the underlying asset, um, and there are funds and stuff doing that. And then you have Bitcoin as the, if you like, the payment mechanism, which is half of what it was built for. And then you have the third generation services that sit on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those third generation services are not touched by regulation. If you want to use Bitcoin to certify a document, for example, nobody gives a shit. I mean, that's not that's true. That's, that's not interesting. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Um, if you're using it as a commodity, that's a different thing. If you're trading in it, I think that the industry itself is very. You know, I meet a a lot of computer programmers in the industry today or computer experts who've suddenly become experts in world finance and world economy and macroeconomics and things like that, when really what they know best is, you know, it's programming. Um, Yeah, that's true. And you do tend to hear a lot about, you know, how central banks work. And the guy from the central bank, um, goes, yeah, but that's wrong. If you speak to me, he goes like, it's not even right what you're saying. It's not even how we work. It's not even how we think. And many of the stories we see about Bitcoin, you're disrupting this and helping that, it's just totally irrelevant. The value of the currency is so, approaching that of a minor currency now. They say, yeah, of course, if you look at it one way, you could argue that. But you have to really work your numbers in a strange way to even get close to that being a thousandth of the correct... Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it, it has a potential for disruption. I mean, that's, uh, absolutely. That's the idea
0: is yeah. not, not that it, it is disrupting, but that it does have a potential for I, disruption.
5: I, I'm not sure. If and I mean,
0: if the EBA and you know, other government bodies and, and uh, regulators are starting to look at it, it's also because yeah.
5: they perhaps uh, see no, it as th- disrupting. I, th- I think they're looking at it. I'm involved with these guys. We we have a working group, I can tell you more about it in a second. We have a working group in Luxembourg um, a- across the entire Financial industry, the spectrum from the regulator right through to startups, Mm -hmm. where we discuss openly, there's about 20 of us, and we have the head of the regulator in that forum, we have the Minister of Finance, we have the head of the banking institution, Luxembourg is a large banking industry there, 50% of the GDP comes from banking industry. So it's extremely important. And so these are high-level people talking about this and and, and, and you know and how we can react to that. So they're very interested in it because their members, the banks, are asking, what should we do about Bitcoin? Their customers are saying, what do we do about Bitcoin? Their investors are saying, what do we do about Bitcoin? So they have to have an answer. And that's why they're bringing out these papers. They're not bringing them out because they see it as a risk. And they, I don't think anybody sees this as a disruptive risk to currency or something like that.
4: That's interesting. So you, you see... The potential uh, more on just the technology and then maybe it's use in other uh, other areas. You know, say you talk about document certification or something, but not so much uh, as an alternative financial system.
5: Not as an alternative financial system, no. I, I think it's a question of how you define things a little bit, but um, ex- exactly the latter is it, the first thing you spoke about, document certification, that sits on top of everything. And then you have the payment mechanism where people can... Buy Bitcoin, yeah. Have it in a wallet and pay for stuff everywhere, or send it to each other, which mm-hmm. is very convenient. We just did it at lunch here, of course. What else would you do at a Bitcoin conference? <laughs> but you know, pay, send each other the money. But those mechanisms exist within the um, existing banking system. Again, I, I live in, in Denmark, for example. The mobile banking application is used by everybody. If we if we were sharing lunch in Denmark, we would have shared the bill using the using the the banking app. Which was developed by the banking industry mm. for customers, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's a perfectly modern, well-functioning system that doesn't cost anything to run. Yeah,
0: but of course, it's a closed system to, you know, Then you want to do that with somebody who's from the
5: UK, and yeah, then yeah. you're stuck. Then you're then you're in currency transfer mode, yeah. right? Which is right. a different thing, and that's what you completely avoid in Bitcoin. Yeah. Of course, in this conference, we have probably got people from 100 different countries or something. So currency transfer is a really important thing for us. For for 99% of the world, they they aren't making transactions outside their native currency kind of ever. So we've got to be careful our niche. We're not applying it into that. But the simple method of doing transactions like that is not present in many countries. In in Scandinavia it exists. But if we go to America, and I think part of the launch of this stuff is in America, you hear guys, we all hear guys from America coming saying, um, let me start again. We had a guy at a conference the other day and he he said he was going to fix three things. Um, he was going to fix that checks were a waste of time for everybody. Same day money transfer should be a right, and 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 person to person transfer should be free. And he came and gave a, 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 this this talk at a conference in Luxembourg, and everybody went well. We kind of we've had this. Yeah, kind of, book, book. I mean I don't know I anybody. It. When were the last time you ever used a check, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when did you like, do? You have a checkbook? <laughs> Well, I
0: mean, it, it, again, it depends on yeah. the country.
5: Right? It depends but, like, on the country. For instance, so, from in the US, people use checks. In, all the yes, time. they actually, Spain, yeah. you know, it's true. They yeah. don't. Yeah. So, uh,
0: you know, I think the, you know, the banking industry in every country has their own uh, way of functioning. And yeah. also, uh, like these apps, for instance. Um, yeah. in Canada, I know in Canada I can send email, money transfer for example, yeah. to someone. In France, it takes three days to do a wire transfer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, 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 the I Interoperability I'm, also between countries is in existence.
4: Right. I, I, yeah. I'm. I, I personally view it differently. I think because Bitcoin is so open, and you know, because it's like, you know, it's like an API money kind of anyone can build something on top of it. I think that is, you know, if you talk about yeah. this, uh, this app in Denmark. You yeah. need to have a coordination of all the banks that yes, like could. agree open up. That's just a mess, you know. Maybe it sometimes it works, but often it won't, and it's slow and expensive. So I think that openness is enormously powerful. So I, I personally do see the potential as as a financial like for money yeah. and all those.
5: I see it. I see us having that that running. Yes, as an alternative currency. I think now I think it's going to be very difficult. But the. Uh, but exactly that, the convenience side of things, is actually what we want to be doing with this thing and maintaining parallel wallets and things like that is going to be fine. Um, but the, the regulators and these people, they don't they don't feel threatened by this particularly. In fact, they feel curious about it. They want to know about it. They want to adopt it. The guys I speak to there want to understand how it works. And, and part of their challenges and part of the inconsistency we see in regulation now, and we'll talk about it later, is that... Um, with the, with the industry isn't sending consistent messages to the regulators about what this thing is. You talk to we all have an opinion about what it was, right? You just said my opinion, you have your opinion, yeah. and everybody has their opinion. So the poor guy at the regulator, hes some guy shows up and he says, well, I'm going to do this. And he goes, oh, okay, cool. So what is it exactly you're going to do? Tell me exactly what you're going to do. Not like what you're dreaming of doing and changing the world and all of that, but what are you doing? What does your company do? What are the money flows, or whatever you want to call it, the transaction flows within your system? And very few companies in this space can actually explain that. It's perverse. But they're all like, la, 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 la. it's fantastic. Think about the, you know how great it's all going to be when the world is using Bitcoin. They go, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that, the regulators. I don't want to know. Just tell me how the money goes. Tell me how the money flows. So um, regarding regulations, in the EBA thing, you know, I guess there was two
4: things. Right? There was this short-term thing, which was like, yeah. Banks ignore banks leave it alone. You know you yeah. can give bank accounts and then you know Bitcoin do their own thing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the sort of long term outlook they talked about, which was to have like these uh, governing bodies that they approve vir- like virtual currency schemes. A lot of those things seem to be to me like imp- literally impossible within a decentralized yeah. currency. Yes. So I'm I'm uh, yeah. it, it surprised me that you still view this as uh, positively right, the overall direction where things are going did you
5: interpret it differently or what do yeah, you I think I interpreted it differently I think when they're saying the banks should keep away from it that's because the bank shouldn't hold this stuff because it's not the sort of thing which is secure enough or, or reliable enough for a bank to be holding if they want to give but what they did say in the report was it's okay to give bank accounts yeah, did say which is really good actually because yeah, yeah, we need a, you, you there need there interfaces problem, between right? the two different yeah worlds, and if we go into the Skype world and the telephony world, you had a Skype which was a peer-to-peer infrastructure, completely independent of country boundaries or or whatever, nothing, it had its own namespace, didn't even use DNS, it wasn't relying on the internet protocols except for the underlying transmission of course. Um, And then around the world there are various points where that connected into the existing phone system if you wanted to make make outbound calls right that's and and these these interfaces these gateways are something that the that the bitcoin world has into the into the traditional world and those gateways are for some perverse reason, specially controlled. I mean, it's a bit illogical why those gateways should be controlled more than the rest of the things should be controlled. Mm. But nevertheless, they yeah. are. Um, and what what we want to be careful of in our industry is to, in the Bitcoin industry is to make sure that 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 peer to peer element falls outside the remit of that that regulation. And and one of the things we keep asking, I think one of the tactical mistakes we've been making in the industry is. Too many people are lawyers, and too many people are running to the regulator asking for advice. So I wouldn't.
0: You wrote an article on, on CoinDesk recently of, uh, making the parallel between when Skype first was released and um, the possible implications of regulation yep. with the telecom and how that uh, overlaps with a lot of what we're talking about now, Bitcoin. Um, your view seems to be. Don't get regulated. It, 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 I think yeah,
5: that's how absolutely. To, yeah. yeah. So uh, can you talk a bit more with that? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, Skype had this. I'm going the phone. Uh, a lot of regulation was built into the phone network right from the beginning of the phone network yeah. for various reasons, and um, partially because it was based on monopolies who wanted consumer protection. And partially, it was based on some of the requirements of law enforcement and stuff like that that, that wanted access to facilities uh, and so on, and they were all good reasons. Um, but all of them require, all of them related to the and, 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 and the legislation or regulation was framed around the existence of big kind of central offices, big big locations where equipment was sitting, and a kind of star-based network where one guy was in control in the middle, right, and that was fine, um, and that was great, and all the regulations written and it addresses that environment. So if you then look at the new environment, which is a peer-to-peer environment, where you don't have any central control, where you don't have any people running it, particularly nobody. It it, it, the rules don't apply, so I'm not saying the rules. If you wrote the same rules today, you could make them apply. But the rules as they're written today do not apply. So if the rules that are written today don't apply, then don't try and apply them. Right? Because you're trying to put a you know a kind of a round peg in a square hole. It, It it just doesn't work. And let's wait for the rules to be written instead of. Asking them to apply the old rules to the new paradigm, and this is—we're we're asking much too much of them to apply the old rules to the new paradigm. We're going to the regulator to say, "How do your regulations affect Bitcoin?" Too I, many people are doing that.
4: I feel like that was exactly my conclusion from the EBA thing. Is when you read that the, the last part when they talk about sort of the long-term future, they, they exactly do that. It's like, oh, we have all these existing safeguards, and yeah. this new weird system, so we're gonna need to create some new uh, institutions. So that that new system, virtual currencies, yeah, kind of complies with all the things we already have in place, right? Which we just ends up with this bizarre
5: thing. I mean, you need to, yes. I mean, if you're going to have a regulatory framework, you need to have somebody responsible for that regulation. And, and in a pan, uh, in an international environment, I mean, who the hell's responsible for anything? Nobody. Yeah. So this is one of the issues you have with with, with forming that regulation. And, and there's in, in in normal, even in criminal legislation, there's tremendous a discussion about which jurisdiction applies when anybody's, you know, is yourself, if some foreigner is arrested in mm. a weird country, the first thing they say is, well, I, I didn't do anything wrong here. I might have done something wrong at home, but I didn't do anything wrong here. So you can't extradite. you right. There are various people from our parallel industries, mavericks of the internet sitting in various countries today who are not going to be going anywhere because the jurisdiction they believe where they are is safe. Um, so, so how do you manage that? I mean, and, and, and you can't manage it. If you look at what's happened in the copyright industry, in the, in the file sharing industry, or industry, or file sharing, the media industry, their attempts at regulating file sharing have been massive lobbying from American companies, primarily owning the media, towards the governments and stuff, trying to force stuff along. And it just doesn't really work that well. They've been trying to force European countries, France, Sweden, wherever, to impose sharing legislation, industry-specific legislation, which is really, really weird, um, and it doesn't work.
0: It doesn't really work. It doesn't really been work.
5: For years. Yeah, and that, because there's nobody to get right. Yeah. They can, I mean, they can find the consumer for using the product which is what they're trying to do in France. They're going to say, if you use file sharing, then we're going to find you or, yeah. or whatever, or cut off your internet and all well, this think, kind of stuff. I think stuff. the whole
0: Adobe thing is a myth. I
5: don't think it actually <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I've, I've never got a letter. <laughs> so, so far we're well, okay. In Germany, they're sending a lot of letters. So, yeah. definitely. <laughs> you see, it's working, right? And they're, and they're frightening people off. No, but it,
4: it does work to an extent. I mean, of course, yeah, you can v- use VPN and things. and Yeah, if you want to do it, you can do it, right?
5: Uh, but if, but you you frighten a lot of the yeah, normal people off of people with um, and, uh, with doing that, and we don't want to be doing that in Bitcoin. If it's going to be being used by normal people, they don't want to be getting a letter the day after from the financial regulators saying, we don't think you should be using this, right? So that would be dumb. So,
4: yeah, there's a, a, one thing regarding regulation I want to uh, touch on, and which is kind of the difference between the US and uh, Europe. Uh, how do you see that? I mean, uh, from the way I've been thinking about it, I don't know if this is correct, but it's that in the US, there seems to be a much more lobby power behind right. Bitcoin, right? You have big VCs that put in a lot of money, you know, that obviously
5: connected. And uh, in, in Europe, that seems to be completely lacking. All right. And I think that's an endemic to the US situation. So the, the US political and regulatory system is the most corrupt in the world. Um, and by that, I mean that the guys who make the rules are all in power, financed by the political contributions made into there made by made by uh, companies and individuals within the United States then necessarily listen to those interests so when some guy gets 10 million bucks from whatever some industry it's going to be listening of course it's going to be listening I'd be listening and you'd be listening if a guy just gave me 10 million <laughs> yeah. bucks and uh, that was one of the biggest shocks to me the first time I ever went to Washington and started to discuss with telecoms regulators about how they were approaching the voice over IP and explaining to them that we were outside that regulation, which was very difficult because they found it difficult to accept that something was outside their control. <laughs> the US do not like things to be outside their control. They don't care what it is, but they want to be in control. Um, and the lobby of... is. There aren't that many politicians who decide the Senate's relatively small, Congress is relatively small, and it's heavily influenced by massive companies. So it, they're heavily influenced by massive companies, it includes the banking industry, includes transactional service companies. And, and I mean, one of the first casualties, if you like, of, of, a, of a peer-to-peer payment protocol like Bitcoin is the people who live off transactions, because yeah, you just not need it. They don't need it. they're not necessary anymore. Before they were necessary because they had to move a bit of paper up and connect it to and send it in the mail and back down again because that's how it was 100 years ago. And 10 years ago, it all went in electronic and still the transactions go through these things because it's the easiest way of doing it. And now they don't, now they go direct. So anybody involved in transaction processing today is threatened. And their businesses, you know, they're billion dollar businesses and more in the US. So they've got tremendous lobbying power. So to counter that, the Bitcoin interests need lobbying. What I see in Europe generally is the politicians and regulators and people tend to be more pragmatic and tend to be actually quite focused on futures. Some countries less than others, but in general, they're interested in listening to to new technology. Mm. Um, you know, In the UK, France may be less.
0: Well, no, I think it's been the case because you've had hearings in you know, quite a few European yeah. countries where you know, the local Bitcoin foundations will be uh, invited and, you know, to speak and stuff. And well, You had that in the US as
5: well, no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, but in the US, in the end they're gonna they're going to weigh down on the side of the existing institutions who pay them yeah. a lot of money and it, it's, it's a fact it's not yeah, even... it hasn't happened so far though right
4: so do you, do you think uh, that's something that will come and in the end that maybe Europe will end up being a more friendly place than yes. the US
5: yes yeah. I'm completely sure that if we're going to start some peer-to-peer transporter system if it's going to come up it'll be coming out of Europe not out of the US for really? sure I'm absolutely convinced Absolutely convinced. That because of that, because the, there's a pragmatism amongst European. If we go down the regulatory route, which is a question we should discuss whether we should at all. But mm. assuming we do, we're going to get a lot of freedom there. They're going to. They're going to give. Yeah. You, you know, they don't want. They're not geared up. In the, they want people to start businesses and to, and to build up and to do that. It's an, an entrepreneurial thing. Oddly enough, the US used to be like that. It kind of seems to have stopped. But they want people to start businesses here and they're not putting things in. that They don't consider themselves to be in the way of... of um, of innovation and things like that. So they're going to find frameworks where we can apply innovation subject to control. I mean, we do, unfortunately with money, have this hang-up about sort of anti-money laundering and terrorism and it, it's all a big deal. I, but we, you know, and it's very emotive, all of that stuff today. It appears to be anyway, whether it's rubbish or not, it's a completely different story. There are some interesting stories yesterday about who, who, um, how the terrorism financing was going into Syria where somebody just received twenty million dollars, and sure as hell didn't go through Bitcoin. And sure as, I mean, come on. So I mean, you're gonna if you why bother with all complicated things where you can just put it in somebody's underpants, right? I mean, let's be realistic. For them, it's better. Right. Is there anything um, you'd like to end on? Uh... Yeah, I've rambled a lot here, haven't I? Um, I see a bright future for the for the system for the currency, if we want to call it that. I see great opportunities for innovation going way out into the future with this. It's something that I think we've been waiting for. I think Bitcoin is something that should have been built into the fabric of the internet the day it was created. I feel the same way. And it was just missing. Nobody ever thought about payment. We should have had, you know, we have routing, we have all sorts of other things.
4: I think I read that they actually, they did reserve things in the protocol. Like, you know, there was like placeholders. Right. Uh, And they're sort of like, oh, you know, at one point, I think the idea was actually to have, some sort of payments integrator you just didn't know what or how. And yeah, okay, well, it, it never, never happened. happened. It never happened, and, right?
5: Yeah. And, and, and now it can. It's part of the, you know, now we can move video, you know, we can move communications, we can move media, we can move files, we can do all sorts of things. Now we just need to be able to move money, and why not? It's It's. it's like, why not? It has to happen. It can't, it can't not happen. This is going to happen in one way or another. Well, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for listening to our coverage of Coin Summit. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us with your donation. It really helps us traveling to conferences and produce high quality content for you. You can donate at epicenterbitcoin.com slash tips, where we have our tipping addresses and also an option for donation subscriptions. Your support is much appreciated and special thanks to those generous souls who have already donated to the podcast.